welcome to episode 44 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marismar Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. It is also brought to you by Soap King, the official soap sponsor of the coronavirus soap revolution. <laughs> Today I have a guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. So my name's Ruth. I am Bethany's internet friend that we met at the North Texas Teen Book Festival a couple weeks ago, and we basically spent the whole day together being besties and fangirling over uh, Marissa Meyer. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember telling my husband when we got back to the hotel room, cause he was asking, you know, well, how was it? How was your day? Because I didn't text him basically the whole day. Yeah. We were so busy. And I told him everything, and I told him about meeting you guys, and he was like, oh, it kind of sounds like kindergarten. I was like, I know! (laughs) You meet these people, and you click, and then we literally ended up spending the whole day together. We even had dinner and a movie together that night. Like, I spent my whole day with you guys. (laughs) We basically had a dinner date. I mean... It was absolutely wonderful. The, The longest we were separated was when you were running around getting all your books signed, and I was just waiting for Marissa Meyer. Right? I'm still mad. I'm honestly still mad about that, but, like, ugh. I think that whole experience was just really great for me in the podcast, so I just try to think of that. My only, like, reason that I'm mad is because if I had just been, like, you know, it's not that big a deal if Marissa signs my books today. I'll bring everything else. Because that's all I, like, I brought, like, three books that weren't Marissa, and then I brought all of Marissa's stuff to the signing. If I had just brought everything that wasn't Marissa Meyer, I could have gotten everything that I got signed. So, like, I'm just kind of mad at myself. She was (laughs) easily, easily the most popular author there. Other than Ransom, probably, yeah. Well, even Ransom didn't get as much as her. And speaking of Ransom, look what came in the mail today. Yay! <laughs> I'm still in the middle of the third book, though, but I'm really excited. I love these books. If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Ransom Riggs, who wrote the Miss Peregrine series, and it's amazing. That's one I actually still have not read, but I've read all I've read all the Lemony Snicket books. So he didn't write those. I know those are similar. Not to the plot of Ransom Riggs books, but, like, as far as content. Never noticed anything similar. I guess maybe it's been too long since I've read Lemony Snicket. Yeah. But anyways, I hope you read them because they're really good. Okay. (laughs) TBR list. (laughs) Well, they've been on mine for about four years, and I'm just now getting the chance to get to them. So if it makes you feel better. (laughs) So one of the things I like to ask my guests is what they remember their introduction to Marissa Meyer being like and what their favorite Marissa Meyer book is. Ooh, okay. I would have to say that my favorite Marissa Meyer book is probably a tie between Supernova and Cress. Cress is my favorite. (laughs) We're spoiler-free, so I can't say why, but anyone who's listened to the podcast and has read these books, we'll be able to guess exactly why Cress is my favorite. <laughs> um, because it has Cress in it. Mm, that's spoiler so free. reasons that we'll get to, because I'm spoiler <laughs> that, free. That, that answer right there is spoiler free. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be spoiler free, but that's one of the best things about the Patreon is getting to do the Easter eggs. Yeah, and then my first introduction to 
well, to Marissa Meyer in general, was our friend Morgan, who came to the festival with us. I actually started working at the same place that she did. And we kind of like started to bond over our love of books. And then she was like, you have to read this series. It's so good. And so she literally gave me access to her audibles so I could listen to the books. And then as soon as I started reading those, I was like, all right, well, if you're going to get me hooked on this series, then I'm going to get you hooked on uh, the Shadow Hunters. So I made her read <laughs> all of the Shadow Hunter books. <laughs> I love that yeah. about friendship. That's a good portion of my friends and I. That's what we do is it's you should read this book. Well, you should read this one. All right. And then we do it. So We actually have to figure out when we're going to start. We're going to buddy read uh, The Kingdom by Jess Rothenberg. Also on my list. Yeah. (laughs) And in that very big pile of books over there. (laughs) So I have never gotten the chance to ask this in person. Do you remember how you found the podcast? Because you knew about the podcast before we met. Because I knew you through Instagram, and that's how we were going to meet there. Do you remember how you found out? I honestly, I think y'all shared something. Because I follow the hashtag, like, Lunar Ever After. And like arch enemies, and so like a lot of Marissa Meyer stuff par- pops up on there. I, I I honestly I don't remember how, but I think it was either that or I got the recommendation from Spotify. Like, hey, you should listen to this. Yeah, you we've gotten that these, one a lot. Um, because you listen to these things, and so I started listening to it, and then I like found you on Instagram, and then. Like, I started following you on Instagram, and then, like, I joined that live, like, as I was rolling out of bed where you were talking about, like, going to physical therapy, and and then, like, and then we're reconnected, and I was like, this chick is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I like to think I'm awesome. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) So how are you holding up during this current state of affairs that we're in? I'll have to send you the video that I sent to Morgan and my single parent friends because like I was like, this is, this is so me. This is this is exactly me. It's a it's a clip from Friends where Chandler basically asked Joey like how he's doing and is like, I'm doing great. Doing so great that I'm good. Like, I'm you know, I'm doing all these things that, you know, like I never got to do before and I'm alone. And I'm a lone wolf. What's a lone wolf got to do to get a hug around here? Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, then, and then Chandler runs over and gives him a hug. <laughs> One of my favorite shows, if not, I no, it is. It's the favorite show. It's my favorite show. Yeah. Um, Friends is my favorite show right behind. It's a close tie with Alias. If you like podcasts, there's two that I would recommend. There's one called Best of Friends. And they do discussion of every single episode, one episode at a time. And they're great, right, Pia? And there's another (laughs) one called How I Met Your Friends. And they compare side-by-side episodes of Friends to How I Met Your Mother. And that one's really good. See, I've never watched How I Met Your Mother. So, like, I've seen, like, clips of it when it's on TV. But, like, it's great. But a lot of people compare it to Friends. And I I get why, but it's a very different vibe of a show. Yeah. Like, it's still about six white people that live in New York, but it's a very different vibe. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely, like, right behind Alias. You know what I need to binge watch, though, now that we're in quarantine is, did you guys ever watch The Last Ship? Never heard of it. On TNT? It's basically kind of, like, apocalypto, uh, like, end of the world, where this Navy ship is at DEFCON 1 in the Arctic Ocean, because they're on this top-secret classified mission. And then they, like, start to head home, and they come out of DEFCON, and they start getting all these messages that there's been a pandemic that wiped out half the planet. Like, they have to try to find the vaccine and a cure, and it's all of their, like, stuff that happens to them during all of that. And I was like, that's what's going on. Yeah, we've drawn a lot of comparisons on social media to Letamosis, especially because... One of the symptoms is bluish lips. <laughs> oh, great. Did Marissa Meyer predict the future? Maybe. <laughs> I won't put money on it, but I wouldn't tell you no. <laughs> right? Because we'll see. Yeah. And not to put too light of, of a reflection on it, because it is a really serious time right now. Yeah. And they're, you know, we're recording this on March 25th, but it won't come out until April. So it's possible things have cleared up a little bit, but just. Try to be nice to people. Please be yeah. nice to people. It's I don't know why it's so hard, but for some reason, it's a struggle for people to be kind. I, it baffles me. Yeah. So before we start talking about chapters 21 and 22, it's your first fan art. Yay, fan art! This is from Cosmic Nova Flare on Instagram, who has shared quite a bit of artwork with us, thankfully. And it's from April 3rd, and it's pictures of the New Beijing Garden. First one kind of reminds me of Mulan, of like the garden and oh, Mulan. The archway is at the circle. Yeah, yeah, I'm picturing it in my head. Yeah, and then like the second picture is reminiscent of a specific scene in, I believe, Winter that we can't talk about. Yeah. It also <laughs> reminds me of, there's a TV show from the 90s called Charmed. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. It reminds me of an episode that took place in Chinatown in San Francisco. And not to give away spoilers of that, I will just say that. Um, yes, I know. It exactly reminds me of, of that particular episode. Yeah, it's the, one, it's the one where, what is it, Piper gets attached to yes. that person? Yeah. Yes. It's a wonderful show. Go look it up on Netflix. <laughs> I love this so much. I think it's so pretty and so detailed. And I love the color scheme. And you know what I love is that it's like, I get so much fan art, and I love getting fan art. It's one of my favorite things yeah. that I've started on the podcast. This is the first time I've gotten some kind of fan art that's a setting. It's a specific scenic type right. of setting. Yeah, It's not yeah, a person or a scene. Most fan art is a, like, person or, like, a scene happening in a book or TV show or movie that's been rendered by the artist. And so this is really cool to see. I kind of wonder like what the streets of New Beijing would look like. It's yeah. I really hope that Cosmic Nova Flare is listening. Streets of yeah. Beijing. Yes. Please do more because I also want to see the inside of the Rampion and the farm and the inside of Kai's office and stuff. There's so much I want to see. So yes, if you do more, please share it with us because I would love to, continue to see those little insights so big thank you for cosmic nova flare for sharing those with us you can follow cosmic nova flare on instagram last episode i came up with two titles and my co-host didn't have any titles so 
There wasn't really a lot of voting. So I brought lots to the table. So patrons, be be prepared. (laughs) So chapter 19 is titled Reflection by Christina Aguilera, and chapter 20 is titled Out of the Woods by Taylor Swift. Yeah. So now we can get into chapter discussion. Yay. (laughs) Your first time, are you nervous? Um, a little bit until I like actually sat down and started taking my notes. I was like, how am I going to take notes over a book? Cause, <laughs> you know, cause like AP English for at least in high school where I am, that's when you start doing a lot of the, the annotating and all of that, like for the books. And I didn't take that. So I was like, oh, it's <laughs> called active reading and it's, um, yeah. it's a very good study tool. You know, it's kind of annoying to do it with textbooks, but it is a really good study tool. But it's a little bit easier, I think, than I thought it would be. Because I remember the first time I went to read the chapter, I was like, okay, I'm going to read the chapter. Then I'm going to read the chapter again and take notes. Then I'll read the chapter again. And I was like, I do not need to do that. (laughs) So what I did was I was like, all right, I'm just going to start writing stuff. So this is my notebook, which is kind of a hot mess. But I literally just (laughs) write stuff. I mean, that's kind of what I did. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's pretty much it. I just wrote stuff down. And then I was like, okay, do I write in my book? And then like, right after I started chapter 22 is when I started writing my book. I was like, (laughs) I don't particularly like writing in books, but I know some people have that habit. Why it took me so long (laughs) to start doing it. Right. (laughs) But I will say, One of the things that, and I'm sure Patreon members can attest to this because they get access to my notes every week. My notes are really all over the place because sometimes it'll be like, okay, basically this is what happens. And it's just a shot by shot of what happened. And then randomly there'll be like four paragraphs of me just rambling about something. (laughs) Last week's episode was me and my sister, or not last week, it would have been two weeks ago. My sister and I released an episode of the movie Frozen. Yeah. And my notes were 18 pages long. And the part where we discuss how Elsa randomly brought snow to light was like an entire paragraph of me being like, wait, seriously, you know, snow and magic is cool, but she literally just created life and no one's talking about it. (laughs) That is true. That is something that you really don't. All right, that's that's digression. We don't need to talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> if for more information, please go listen to episode 42 featuring Lindsay. <laughs> or join the Patreon and read all of my notes. Like I said, the, the Frozen ones were like 18 pages long, so there's a lot going on in there. <laughs> so we start Chapter 21. We're still with Scarlet and Wolf. The last time we saw them, they had jumped off the train. They were going to walk to the next one. They stopped for Duck, and Ran shows up. And that's kind of how it ended. I was like, I'll be really bummed if I get a boring chapter. And then I was like, wait, there's not really a boring Marissa Meyer chapter. (laughs) There's always something going on. Like, even if you think it's boring by the end of the chapter, there'll be something that happens that's like, nope, not boring. Just kidding. Yeah. And then I opened the book and I grazed over the chapters so that I could, like, kind of remember where I was. And I was like, oh, I get exciting chapters. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on in these two chapters. We start off with Ran being super creepy. That is literally what I wrote. I was like, first lines, bro, why are you being so creepy? (laughs) (laughs) It is really creepy, and Scarlet seems like genuinely afraid of him, or at least uncomfortable around him, which is really saying something, because she wasn't... She was not afraid of the guys at the bar. She was not afraid of the people at the fights. 
she like glared at a woman from across the stage like no i'm not messing with you i'm not scared she's not afraid of wolf in the slightest and she's not afraid of this gang that he told her about right but she does seem genuinely uncomfortable around ran yeah there's something about ran that rubs her the wrong way for good reason it seems like amanda elegant and i on the episode she was on, we talked about his interactions with her on the train and how he manipulated her. And it started off kind of, you know, just like witty banter between two strangers kind of flirting. And then it quickly turned into red flags popping up and he became like a predator. Yeah, totally be that transition like right here at the beginning. And it's like we both said, it's like he's being really creepy. I mean, not that you can be creepy in a good way, but like... <laughs> well, and it almost seems intentional, is what it is. He's purposely doing it for the creepy factor. Yeah. So Rand shows up and says he's hungry, and Wolf says, "All right, well, we'll we'll share our food." And Rand sits down, super comfortable, and Wolf inserts himself. He makes sure that he's in between Rand and Scarlet, which is very right. good. Thank you, Wolf. <laughs> so he's being very protective of her. Scarlet seems really apprehensive around Rand, but she goes to introduce them to each other. And Rand mentions that they had this interaction on the train. Here's my thing. Scarlet is a farm girl. She grew up on a farm. She lives on a farm and pretty much runs it by herself now. We literally, in the last scene with her, saw her pluck a duck and cook it herself. Right. But she is absolutely disgusted and freaked out by him licking the juice off his arms, the popping noises he makes when he's eating the duck. It must be really disturbing because otherwise I can't imagine it would really freak her out that much. I mean, she literally just ripped the feathers off of a bird that died maybe five seconds ago and cooked it herself. Like, she's obviously not squeamish. The quote where she describes, like, how he's eating the food, cartilage popping at the joints. Just, like, I can imagine sitting there watching him do that and, like, it adds to the creepy factor. It does. And so it makes you even more uncomfortable because you feel like you're in the scenario, experiencing it right there, either as Scarlet or right next to Scarlet in, like, a perfunctory second-slash-third-person perspective, and it just gives you, like, these chills. It's sensory. I mean, a lot of times with reading, you're imagining how everything looks, but Marissa Meyer really gives us an opportunity to imagine how, what the sounds are that they're hearing right now. It's the middle of the night in the woods, so they hear the crackling of the fire, they hear the, the creak, they hear crickets. It's all probably very soothing, and then randomly there's cartilage popping and juice and chewing, and it's gotta be absolutely disgusting. Well, and that's one of the many reasons why I love Marissa so much is because all the little things that you don't think are important when you like think about the experience of reading a book, she hits every single point like right on the head. Her world building, all this imagery making you feel like you're in the situation, like you're having the conversation with them, all of that, she puts you there just by like adding a couple of words. Absolutely. We've talked about that on the podcast a lot, too, about her word choices and the imagery and the writing style that she chooses. Because, you know, like I just said, I feel like I can smell everything that's happening. I feel like I can, you know, I can smell the fire. I've been, I grew up in the Midwest. Like, I've been in the woods near a campfire in a creek. I can smell it. I know what it smells like. I can hear what it would sound like. I can hear the crickets and the, you know, the 
water from the creek. There's a little bit of a crackle from the fire. And I can imagine how all of this would be so calming and so relaxing, especially after the last couple of days that Scarlett and Wolf have had. And then what could have been a nice, easy night for the two of them where they just got some food and rested a little bit before they went back to walking is now this kind of hostile, toxic situation where nobody really knows what's about to happen. Like, I feel... I feel like this entire chapter leading up to when Wolf starts to really react is mm-hmm. just a slow progression of, you know, what's good, like a buildup, you know? Yeah. And then on top of that, it's such a contrast how she describes, like, Scarlet is eating her, her duck and then, like, how Ran and Wolf are eating the duck. It's almost so feral and animal-like. And then Scarlet is literally just sitting there, like, picking the meat off of the bones. Do you know anybody who picks the meat off of bones? Because I do. Um, I do it sometimes, but it depends on if I'm eating like a rotisserie chicken or buffalo wings. I pick the meat off of those and then like I dip it in the sauce. My husband has issues with bones and tendons and cartilage. Uh-huh. It like is too much of a reminder of what he's eating. And it yeah. really, it's a texture, it's a noise, it just, he doesn't like it. So I don't care if it's a thigh, a wing, ribs, he's not touching the bone. Yeah. Like he'll only order sirloin steak because he doesn't want the bone. He doesn't want the cartilage. He doesn't want, you know, the fatty tendons kind of thing. It's just something that's always bothered him. It's the same reason he won't eat crab meat unless it's crab meat. Like he's not going to sit there and break crab legs. It's it freaks him out a little bit, I guess. Yeah. And the same with lobster and stuff like that. So, like, I totally get it. Yeah. So, like, I can totally understand why this would be, I don't know, uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. But it just, the fact that it's so uncomfortable to watch, knowing that she's not exactly a prissy girl, you know? Right. Not that, yeah. like, to like, be prissy is a feminine thing. Like, you can be, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a feminine thing. You can be prissy and be a boy. Scamp is a priss and he's a boy. But he really, like, that dog, he's very prissy. He cannot stand being dirty. He can't stand when other people are dirty. You should see how he walks if it's, like, snow or mud. Because it it looks like someone in high heels on ice trying to make sure they don't fall down. (laughs) But she doesn't seem to be a very prissy type of person. Right. We just mentioned how she just had no problems gutting the duck, and so she's not squeamish. It has nothing to do with the actual, like, eating of the duck. Her observation of the other people in this clearing is what's putting her on edge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it, too, is the characteristics of these two men next to her, because we have these characteristics of Wolf we've been given, where he does have some kind of some animalistic features. I mean, he's literally just caught a duck with his bare hands. And then Ran, you know, we've seen him very briefly, but he is pred- he's very predatorial. He's, you know, creepy with a smile, which is never great. He's got these weird sharpened fingernails, which are really freaky. You know, she's trying to act yeah. normal. She's trying not to show how uncomfortable she is. Wolf seems completely on edge, just ready to go at any moment. And she says, well, how did you get off the train? This is my thing. Rand, he completely ignores her. Did you notice that? Right. She says, how did you get away from the train? And Rand says, I might ask you the same. And she says, we jumped. And Rand says, risky. But that's it. He doesn't actually explain how he got off the train. Right. The other thing, too, is, you know, 
since we're spoiler free, we see that Wolf is so on edge, like as soon as Rand walks into that clearing. Why? What about these two do we not know? I mean, obviously there's something there that we have no clue about. And Wolf is like a dog backed into a corner on edge. His hackles are rise. And Rand couldn't give no. And he even teases them about, like, interrupting their honeymoon and stuff. Yeah. He's very comfortable around them, and that's what makes it even more freaky. You yeah. Know? And he's very comfortable making them uncomfortable. And I think a dog is a good analogy, too, because dogs are going to act the way Wolf does around someone. You know, for example, Scamp. Not so much Beowulf, because he's kind of afraid of everything, which isn't his fault. He did not have a very good life before we adopted him. But Scamp is extremely protective of me. Even yeah. with Quentin, he will straight up growl and bite Quentin. If I make a, if, if Quentin is like tickling me or something and I make the wrong noise, Scamp will straight up bite him and pull yeah. his arms away from me and bark like crazy. And I used to think it was just like he was protective, but we tried that. Like I tried, I was like, all right, I'm going to tickle you and you have to make noises. And I tickled Quentin and made noises and Scamp was like, I'll help mom and came over and still bit Quentin. So it's not. <laughs> So, but do- they just have those instincts to protect their own. Right. And so it kind of feels like Wolf is very protective of this woman he met a day ago. Right. Yeah. Like less than 48 hours ago. Yeah. And so Rand is, like I said, he's kind of ignoring her. They talk about being a long way from Paris and how unfortunate the train incident is. And right. who's this guy, basically? And. Wolf, what an unusual name. Oh, I'm sorry, is Rand not an unusual name? I'm sorry if any of our listeners are named Rand, but I've literally never heard that name before in my life. Okay, so because I was curious, I looked it up. And so Rand is Hebrew for a sing-songy person, which makes no sense. Um, It doesn't exactly match his personality. I think Wolf is an unusual name, yes, but we were kind of given the indication that it's not his real name, because he didn't say, my name is Wolf, he said, they call me Wolf. Right. It's an unusual nickname, even, so... Ran, I looked it up, and Ran, the meaning of the name is he sang, or like, uttered joyful sounds. Unless you consider the popping of cartilage duck joyful, I'm gonna go with no. Not an appropriate name choice. (laughs) Exactly. All that makes me think is there is a reason that Marissa named that character Rand. And I hope that we figure it out soon, because in this chapter, he does not turn out to be the good guy. So Rand says, did your parents give it to you? Now, here's the only reason I find that funny. I get compliments on my name. And so usually it's my last name because Finger is an unusual name. But every once in a while, someone will be like, Bethany, that's a nice name. And I'll say, thanks, it was a birthday present. Because um, <laughs> my mom gave it to me. So I thought that was kind of just, it made me think of that. But Wolf is not in the mood to talk. Right. He prefers dead quiet. He wants silence. He doesn't want to talk. And Rand, like, kind of sarcastically asks if they're together. Ooh, did I interrupt a honeymoon? Nobody asked you. <laughs> One no, but also nobody asked you, and it's none of your business. <laughs> Mind your own business. Yes. So then Scarlet starts to pick up on something, and she goes, 
Uh, is it my imagination, or do you two know each other? <laughs> Scarlet's intuition really picks up, because she just kind of stares at them for a minute, and then she's like, gun pointing at him, roll up your sleeve. What I took mention of is right after Wolf says, I prefer silence, and then Ram pretends to be, like, surprised. His face taunted as he put the meat in his mouth. Like, one, ew. That imagery, like, bleh. <laughs> well, the whole thing is imagery because it says that Rand faked a gasp and that he picked the last tiny bit off the bone. So it's literally him going, <gasps> and then pulling the meat apart and then going, I'm sorry. And then he picks the little last picket of the meat off. Have I stumbled upon a honeymoon? What a lucky man you are. His face taunted as he pushed the shredded meat into his mouth. The way this is written, I feel like I can clearly hear the intonation of Rand's tone of voice. Yeah. I think that Rand kind of talks like the way I just did, where it's like very sarcastic. Almost like high and mighty. Yeah, that's kind of, he's he's really creepy. He gets a little offended when she says, roll up your sleeves. Again, I don't think he really is. He's like, I beg your pardon. I think he's very, right. like. Exactly. Well, and then, and then, and then you the part that freaked me out. He licks the juice off of his arm as it runs down his wrist. That's disgusting. Listeners can't see me, but I'm, like, cringing. <laughs> yeah. Wormy, wormy. <laughs> And this is when Scarlet is like, yeah, I'm tired of this bullshit. She grabs her gun. She points it right at his face. And she says, show me your sleep. So he rolls it up and it says LSOP 1126. Now, I looked it up. Wolf's number was 962. Do we think this is like their initiation number? Like, are there 1126 members in this gang? Is it an old gang? And that's why there's so many members. Are there that many current members? Because like, if it's a 20 year old gang then some of those people are probably dead or not active anymore. So, right. but, you know, is it a current gang? And so there's 1,100 members in this gang in Paris that no one's ever heard of and isn't on the internet? Like, that doesn't sound like something you can keep quiet. Right. It makes you question, okay, so was Ran initiated into the gang, like, you know, almost 200 members after Wolf? Or is that a designation that means something to each person. There's not necessarily a good, you know, way of knowing what it is. And I wonder, too, like, if it is 200 people later, that's a pretty quick moving... We're not given the indication that Rand is any older or younger than Wolf and Scarlet are. Right. So 200 people in... I'm going to say at the most, at the very most, I would imagine him being like four, maybe five years younger or older. But I can't imagine him being that much different of an age group than they are or it would have been mentioned. So that's a lot of people in just a couple of years. Right. Yeah. This gang is like, there's just not a lot of information about them. So Scarlet rounds on Wolf. She goes, well, why didn't you tell me? And he said he was hoping to gauge the situation first. Do you think that's true? I mean... You could say that's true because, like, he was hesitant to tell her. But also, everything that Wolf has done up to this point, like, since Rand walked into the clearing, has been super suspicious considering he's never met Rand. Or he's acting like he's never met Rand. And I suppose it's not like he lied outright. It's not like he literally was like, I don't know who this is. And then she caught him. But... It does make me wonder why he wouldn't say anything, because if, if, 
he obviously doesn't like him. He obviously doesn't trust him. He tells Scarlet not to trust him. So if anything, you would think that when Rand shows up and Wolf finds out that they already had an interaction on the train, he would be like, well, we need to get away from this guy. But I, I guess I could see why he would be like, all right, well, I'm going to wait and see like what information Rand reveals to me before I give away all our secrets to Scarlet. Right. Like right. that's how I would try to picture it. Right. Exactly. So we get a little bit of a egg hatch here because this is when Scarlet realizes why Wolf was smelling her because he could smell Ran on her. So right. he already knew that she had interacted with him on the train because he could smell him. Yeah. Which is a really unusual trait. Does he have really good smelling gills? Does Ran wear like a specific type of cologne that's really unique and pungent? And we've started to get a couple of hints that whatever is the reason that Wolf acts the way he does, animalistic. Yes. And so it's like, so did he smell her like a scent of an animal or like pheromones? Or is is it something more than just, oh, he smelt her and he knew that it was Rand? Yeah, and that's not really explained here or even in the next chapter we're going to talk about. So I guess we kind of just have to leave it in the air. Right. And I did forget to mention this sick burn that Wolf has when Wolf says, Scarlet, this is Rand Kesley, a loyal soldier to the Order of the Pack. Don't worry. He's only an Omega. I also wrote it down, too, because I was like, the tone of voice in which Wolf calls Rand an Omega, that tone of voice is so demeaning. Yeah, he's like, he's an Omega. Yeah. You were Regina George. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Charlotte starts to freak out. She's like, who are you people? And yeah. Wolf is kind of hurt. And I think it's because, I don't know, maybe he doesn't like being lumped into the same group of people as this guy is. Yeah, and so something else that I wrote down, the confident sarcasm and relaxed posture of Ran during this conversation slash confrontation has me on edge more than I think Scar is. This is important to read because this is why she's on edge. This is where Scarlet goes. She swapped her attention between the two. You could smell him on me. When I came back to the car, you knew. And you knew he was following us all this time. How? The unnatural eyes, the uncanny senses, the teeth, the howls, the idea that he'd never had a tomato before. Yeah, I'm with Scarlet. Who the f*** are these people? And I think that's part of why he's hurt. Hurt flinched across Wolf's face. I don't think he likes being mixed in with Ran. I don't think that he wants to be considered the same people as Ran. Why? Well, I mean, we can kind of make an assumption as to why, because Ran is not seeming like a good guy, you know? So I could see why Wolf doesn't want to be associated with him. Right. But... We get a little bit of an A catch here because Rand says, what exactly have you told her, brother? We're not brothers anymore, and she knows no one with that mark can be trusted. Right. And what I wrote was, like, brother. The first time reading this, I thought he meant brother in the sense that, like, they were brothers in the gang. And I remember the very first time reading this when I found out, when I realized that they were actual kin brothers, I was shocked. Right. Which isn't a spoiler, I think, because we find out in the next chapter, so I'm not giving away too much, but it just was very, like, I was really surprised by it, you know? 
Well, and the way that Rand says, what have you told her? Brother. Right. Like, he says it with so much contempt. It's like, all right, you already know Rand's being snarky and sassy and arrogant. Do you take what Rand is saying as the truth? Like, is he his actual brother? Or is he, like, his brother in the gang? Or is he just saying that to taunt Wolf? So, like, the first time you read it, you're like, wait, so is it actually because they're related? Or is this just a red herring? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and this is what's really freaky. Like, well, like, if Rand hasn't already freaked out enough, like, this whole time, Scarlet has him at gunpoint, and he's not even remotely afraid. He's still being super sarcastic, super sassy. His voice is dripping with irony. And Scarlet starts to get really pissed off. She's like, you have my grandmother. And Ran is like, well, not with me. Like, this girl has you at gunpoint. Right. That's why, like, that thing that I wrote about, like, the confident sarcasm and the relaxed posture of Ran is, it so puts you on edge because you're like, he, like, doesn't give a about, like, anything Absolutely. that he's saying. That's more scary than the, what he's saying, almost. Like, yeah. What's really interesting is that this whole time so far, Wolf has been extremely quiet. He's like almost right. letting Scarlet completely take the lead in the situation. And he's just sort of commentating. Well, we're not brothers anymore. She knows not to trust you. You know, he's being very quiet. Most of the conversation is Scarlet demanding answers and not really getting anywhere. So right. Rand says that he came there to get Wolf back. I've been sent to retrieve my brother. Perhaps he did not tell you that he and I are part of an elite pack given a special assignment. The assignment has been canceled and Master Jael wants us to return. All of us. And all is italicized for a very good reason. Like, that's exactly what he's emphasizing. All of us. Like, you and me right now, we gotta go. And Scarlet, now is when Scarlet starts to get pissed off because she's already, this is, whole thing is already frustrating her. She's been like desperate to get information about her grandmother and to get her grandmother back for the last month. And she finally feels like she's getting somewhere. And then this pig shows up in the middle of the woods to like put a wretch in her plans. And Wolf says, I'm not going anywhere. When he says that, and then Wolf's expression was filled with more distrust and shadows than it had ever been. Like, okay, what's going on in Wolf's brain right now? It sounds like he has no trust. I mean, not that he did anyways, based on what little he said about everything that Ran is saying. Well, this whole conversation between him and Ran is really freaky. Like, Wolf says he's not coming back and that JL no longer controls him. And Ran says, I doubt that. And you know as well as anyone that we don't allow our brothers to leave us. So I confess, I haven't missed having one less alpha around. Okay, so now we know that Wolf is an alpha, which might be his why he has such a disdain for Omegas. He's the top of the hierarchy. Right. He's the top of the food chain, and Ran slash Omegas are the bottom, and so of course he would have. Yeah. Like, and this is where Wolf kind of starts to taunt him. Did you really think it wise to come here without Jael to protect you? I don't need Jael's protection. Well, that would be a first. Bird! <laughs> All I wrote was, ooh, shade being thrown. <laughs> Them fighting words, bitch. 
Yeah, but also, it's almost like a taunt. Well, then come at me. Let's do this right here, right now. You think you think you can beat me? You just wanted me away from the pack so that you, uh, everybody didn't have to watch you lose to me. Right. I'm better than you. Like, Catch me outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come at me, bro. <laughs> so, Rand actually does come at him, bro. <laughs> with a with a snarl, Rand leaped forward, but Wolf danced out of his reach and retaliated with a fist aimed at Rand's jaw. So this, I'm not going to read this whole fight, but once again, I talked about it a few chapters back. Marissa Meyer does an excellent job here. I can picture every single movement that the two of them make, and it's not just the two men started fighting. It's literally like punch here, block here, jab here, kick here, dancing out of the way. Did you ever watch the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, like the first one? <laughs> it's one of the opening parts where like Sherlock is fighting this really big dude. You're seeing the fight from two different perspectives because you're seeing it from like the perspective of everybody else. And the big dude that he's fighting, and things are going really, really fast. When it switches POV and it goes to Sherlock's brain, he's like, okay, everything's in slow motion. He's gonna make this jab here, and so I need to go like this. And then he does it in slow motion, and it kind of feels like that in the book because you're like, ooh, you can see it like happening, but you don't just see it like boom, 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 boom. It's like happening in slow motion in front of you, and like every move is calculated. Absolutely. And Rand is sort of attacking with rage. She literally says that he's shaking with rage. But Wolf is like calculated, shrewd. Wolf seems to be running on nothing more than instinct and years of skill. And I feel like this is why it's more likely Rand would make a mistake because he's not thinking about his next move. He's just sort of reacting with all this anger that he has built up. It's just them fighting for a second. And then all of a sudden... Rand starts trash talking and Wolf catches him off guard and Rand cracks his skull on the rocks, which I heard in my head. And it was just like, oh, like, how is he still alive? I mean, that's like a major concussion. That's like, you probably cracked your skull. We know that, like, obviously they're tougher than that because of witnessing Wolf at the fights with Hunter. But like, also... There's only so much you can do to toughen up your skull, though. I mean, exactly, exactly. Like, like you can get as many muscles in your arms as you want, but it's not going to toughen up your head. But right. it, it does seem really disgusting because it says Wolf launched at Rand, knocking him onto his back. Rand's head landed in the water, and Scarlet heard a sickening crunch as it collided with the hard stones beneath the surface. And this is when Scarlet jumps in. She doesn't want Wolf to kill him. She digs her fingernails into his arms and tries to pull him off of Wolf because she thinks he might have information. So she starts screaming, freaking out, let him go, let him go, let him go. And she fires a warning shot, but Wolf still doesn't listen. Like, he's completely unfazed. And she says, you're going to kill him. As the last burst of bubbles rose up from Rand's mouth, Scarlet stepped back, let out a breath, and pulled the trigger again. Only this one wasn't a warning shot. She shot Wolf. I think you shot the wrong guy here, bro. Right. One, she shot him. Like, whoa, wrong person. Two, he's only going to tell us so much about your grandmother because he's been following y'all. So, like, is it really worth keeping him alive? 
but... <laughs> right, but also, we know how disturbing this gang is. We know how terrifying they are. Look what they did to her father. It's right. exactly like Wolf says. You're not going to be able to do anything to him that the pack can't terrify him more. Right. Like, what they're going to do to him is far more terrifying than whatever you're going to do right now, even if you shoot him in the head. So, right. Wolf is absolutely right. Interrogating him isn't really going to make much of a difference. But Ran, she shoots him, and so she pulls Ran out of the water, and Wolf says, when you greeted me with a gun on your doorstep, it's nice to know you meant it. So true. I loved, I loved that. Even more than that, I love when he just blinked up at Scarlet. Did you just shoot me? <laughs> like, the pure shock that she actually shot him that's in his voice. <laughs> you shot me. <laughs> Will says he feels sorry for her and that he's not going to talk. It doesn't make any difference. It's not going to work. And then Rand tries to grab the gun, but Scarlet's able to pull it back from him. And Rand starts mouthing off again, basically. And Scarlet's like, stop provoking him! Because Scarlet just wants to start getting answers at this point. Like, she's right. tired of these two boys having a pissing contest when her grandmother is who knows where. Enduring who knows what. Right. She gets the first aid kit and she starts to clean up Wolf and she apologizes for shooting him. Which I suppose is nice. I love when he's just quiet because she's like, that's just a gang thing, isn't it? And he's like, said nothing. She's like, Wolf? It's like, I never said we got along. Yeah, that was in my notes, too. Like, so this is a bit of an egg hatch. Rand is his actual brother. Like, not just in the right. sense of the gang. Like, they are brothers. And I love when Wolf is like, well, I never said we got along. But, I mean, all we know is that they're brothers. We don't know who's older or anything like that. That comment makes you think, like, okay, it sounds like Wolf is the older brother that, that Rand always annoyed the crap out of. And... That's why uh, one of the main reasons why they don't get along is because he's the annoying little brother. Yeah, but that's not how Scarlet takes it. Scarlet says, good, you'll know his weaknesses. <laughs> Which, I mean, also true. And it is true, but Wolf has a good response. We're trained to withstand questioning. Right. And so this is when she says, well, he already gave us some information. He knew it when I asked about my grandmother. And what's this assignment that was canceled? Does it have something to do with her? Wolf says, don't trust him. He's just trying to gain status. He's not a trustworthy person. Don't trust anything he says. Right. The assignment won't be canceled because it's too important. What we need to do is keep moving. He won't talk. And you can't frighten him any more than the pack. That's what I think should really stand out to her because obviously that's as true as anything else that is being said here. Scarlet, listen to me. Does he know something that would help? Yes, probably, but he won't give it to us unless you plan on torturing it out of him. And even then, there's nothing you could do that would frighten him more than what the pack will do if he talks. And then I love when she's like, well, what if we just, you know, brought him along for a trade? Mm, nobody's no. going to trade for an Omega. And she goes, well, he'll tell them that you're with me. And sh and this is where the chapter ends. Doesn't matter. We'll get there before he does. And they leave Rand to rot, but don't actually kill him. We're not really given the indication that he's any like in any condition to follow them. But three something eggs and one tomato. So something that I did write down in my notes is that like when she asks about the assignment that's been canceled, he like totally changes the subject. Okay, Rand was the one that was being super, like, secretive before, and now Wolf's doing it. Scarlet, that's a red flag. 
Like, yeah, because she says, and then this assignment that was canceled, what's that about? Does it have something to do with my grandmother? Wolf shook his head, but she detected a clouding in his eyes. He told us what he wanted us, me, to know or to believe. I wouldn't put any stock in it. So you're right. He didn't really answer her question. He yeah. didn't acknowledge it even. He was just like, don't believe anything he says. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what Rand did earlier. And now Wolf is doing it. Hey, Scarlet, something's wrong. Maybe you shouldn't be following either of these two people. <laughs> I mean, Wolf has given her more reason to trust than Rand, but so many red flags. I know. I know. So what was your quote for this chapter? When he says um, on 214, I'm not coming back. He said, Jael no longer controls me. Like, to me, that just says, okay, it doesn't matter whatever I've done or whatever I'm going to do. I am not going back. Whoever this Jael or Master Jael is, he can't win me back. Yeah, Wolf is his own man now. Yeah. And no matter yeah. what think about, like, well, why is he doing all of this? Or why is he helping Scarlet? Because we don't know. Like, we don't know his true intention. We know that whatever happens when he came to Rhea was he changed. Something in Wolf changed. And he's not the same person that he was before he, he came to Rhea. Well, we don't know that until next chapter, but yes. <laughs> My quote my quote was, when you greeted me with a gun on your doorstep, it's nice to know you meant it. Oh, that was my, like, second close. It's such a good line. It's such a good line. Okay, so my title choice was Howl by Florence and the Machine. What was your song title choice? That's a good one. So, um, the first song, like, literally I was one sentence in to the chapter, and I was like... This is the song title. I just know it. So patrons, back me up on this. Hungry Eyes by Eric Carmen. So is that the only one you picked for this one? So I also had on reflection, this song, it's a new song. It's by, she's British. Her name's Tones and I. The song, it's called Bad Child. And the words for the song basically go, my family always said that I was the bad child throwing me away into the bad pile. All my life been putting on a fake smile, sitting on my own, feel like I'm exiled. That's literally the first verse of the song. And so, like, to me, that just totally, like, if you actually liked Ran, like, I feel like this song is kind of the, the embodiment of if you were to actually care about what he was feeling with all of this, like, what's going on in his head, kind of a, like, I'm the bad kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 so I will put those chapter titles up probably later tonight for patrons to vote on. And remember, you can join Patreon for as little as $1 a month and you can help decide what chapter title is and you even get to help pick chapter titles. So let's get started with chapter 22, where you get to stay with Scarlet and Wolf, which is good. I like when that happens on the same episode. And they start walking. They just kind of leave Rand behind. Scarlet's using her port screen as a flashlight, but they don't have an actual flashlight. So, like, her port screen doesn't have, like, a flashlight app. Right. Because I know that I think you and Amy talked about, like, what the size of a port screen, that the size of the port screen would 
be like more like a tablet or like a Kindle size. And so to me, like either so much new technology, this is my Kindle and it's literally about the size of my hand, which I have a relatively small hand, but I mean, it's like two or three inches by it's, it's like two inches by three inches, I think. Yeah. But that's what I picture, like a really small Kindle, a small tablet. Because like even, I'm pretty sure like even our Kindles have a flashlight app. Or, like, a flashlight. Well, option. I have a Kindle Paperwhite, uh-huh. so mine does not, but I'm sure Kindle Fire does. Yeah, because I think yeah. mine's a Kindle Fire, and so I'm pretty sure that that does. Either it's super unsophisticated, like, your paperweight, or it's packed with so much technology as far as what it can do that a flashlight app is too much for it, you know? Kind of like those watches from Spy Kids where it has all these cool gadgets on it, but he didn't have room for the clock. Yeah, so like, yeah. Oh, well, every it does everything, but it doesn't tell time. Yeah. <laughs> so once the battery is dead, they're going to have to stop for the night. But for now, they're still walking. And Scarlet suspects that Wolf knew all along that they were being followed. Why do we think Wolf didn't tell her that he thought they were being followed just because he didn't want to freak her out if nothing was going to come of it. Because the only thing he said to her was don't put the gun away. Right. I think that, but then also you start to get kind of more hints. Maybe there's something going on. Like maybe Wolf has this ability to know like more than what's around him. And that's right. how he knows what's going on. But, like, you don't know exactly what it is. Or we're just guessing and he's going off of because there's howling. Or does he know something that Scarlet can't see or hear? Well, now Scarlet knows that that's what was going on. And so they're kind of walking in silence. And Wolf finds this log that's, like, hanging off of a ledge. And he says, all right, well, this is what we're going to use to jump onto the next train. And Scarlet's like, oh, you were serious? (laughs) You weren't kidding there? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, her, it's just like jumping onto a haystack bravery is like completely gone. Right? <laughs> but Wolf believes in her. He says she can do it. I love his confidence. She's like, without breaking a leg? He's like, or anything else, by the way. <laughs> and she says anything to get out of these woods. Which coming from a farm girl who's used to being an outdoors, that kind of seems like, all right, she's kind of done with not only everything that just happened in the last chapter, but she's like, get me to civilization. I've never needed civilization more than I do right now. (laughs) Well, also, the woods is so slow. Like, she was already upset about the obnoxiously slow maglev train that was going to take eight hours. Now they're walking. Right. Walking. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't blame her for being like, let's just get the hell out of here. So they're starting to climb and Wolf winces, you know, because she shot him. Right. And she says that she's sorry. And I love Wolf's response. Are you? (laughs) She's like, well, what does that that mean? (laughs) I suspect you'd shoot me all over again if you thought it would help your grandmother. So I put in my notes, I was like, I love this callback to when he called her out about like her family or her grandmother when when they were in the hover. And I'm just like, Ooh, bad yep. <laughs> No, I completely agree. This is definitely a callback to that. But she says that even if she did shoot him again, she'd still be sorry. Yeah. And suddenly, they re- she realizes that they're standing really close to each other. 
Well, okay, so this is what I love about that whole interaction, is that then after she's like, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't still be sorry. He's like, I'm just glad you didn't take my advice and shoot me in the head. (laughs) Yeah, I love that line. So they're standing really close, and he says that line. He barely touches her, and she completely jumps and then flashes the light right in his eyes. Right. (laughs) Alex, she could be so obvious, Scarlett. Come on, Scarlett. (laughs) so he kind of moves on and he starts you know messing with the log and he says it looks kind of trustworthy and this is when scarlet starts to finally start asking questions she thought he'd left months or even years ago but it doesn't seem like that long and wolf reveals it's been less than three weeks so right around the time that granny disappeared right And then she puts more together. You told me that you were a nobody, barely more than an errand boy. But Rand called you an alpha. Isn't that a pretty high rank? Well, and I put in my notes, I was like, bad vibes. Run, Scarlet. Red flags. (laughs) Like she could outrun him. He is shot, I guess. I mean, yes and yes. But also, (laughs) just like figuratively, Scarlet, why are you on this weird trip with this (laughs) I know he's hot, but come on. Those eyes aren't that great. Like (laughs) Someone that always dies in the horror movies. Come on. (laughs) I watch horror movies because they scare the crap. I can't handle them. (laughs) So this is when she really starts to freak out and put stuff together. Because he says it was right around the time that Grandma disappeared. You told me that you had no idea why they took my grandmother. That was a lie, wasn't it? And then he starts to say her name, and she stops. Did you really leave? Is this all some story? Am I the mission? No. After my dad warned me. Like, she's completely panicking now. And Wolf finally is just like, stop. He wants the opportunity to try and explain to her. And he says, yes, he lied about Grandma, but Scarlet is not the mission. And she shines the port screen in his face intentionally now. She's like, talk. (laughs) What I love is that that whole page where she's like, but then you did this, and then this has happened, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, finally, Scarlet, you get the slow clap. You're putting those jigsaw puzzle pieces it reminds together. Me, it reminds me of the scene in Tangled when Rapunzel is sitting in her room, and she, like, sees the flower, the sun. Yeah. And then all these images start rushing into her brain, and then it, like, smacks her in the chest when she puts it all together. Yeah. And it catches her so off guard. I feel like that's what's happening to Scarlet right now. She's starting to put all the pieces together, but before she can really start to panic, Wolf is like, stop, let me talk, let me tell you what happens. So he says, you're right, I lied about not knowing why they took your grandmother, but you aren't the mission that Rand was talking about. It does have to do with Grandma, though. Now I can't find it. (laughs) Oh, okay, so here, right after he says, Scarlet, stop. And the description says she wrapped her fist around her hood's cords, tightening them against her throat. Her heart was pulsating now, running blood hot beneath her skin. It just reminds me that she fidgets with her hoodie, just like Wolf fidgets with his leg and his tapping and like his frenetic energy. Send her with her gloves. Right. Yeah. They all have like this tick that they do when they're nervous or anxious. And it just makes me like, relate to them more because there's this thing that makes them more than just human or more than just teenagers or kids because they're real and they have problems that like all of us that are reading these books 
in some way or another relate to. Yeah. I I play with my hair. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I have curly hair, and I will sit there, and I will twist it around my fingers. Just because it also stays. If I curly. twist it, it stays, in a tw- it stays in, like, a little ringlet. So I just I sit there, and I mess with my hair all the time. And it does make them more relatable because everybody has those mannerisms about them. So it gives us just a little bit more. It gives us something else to connect to when we're picturing these people in our heads. Well, and that too, like the tapping, the frenetic energy, I'm always moving because I'm ADD and and I'm super extroverted. I also have depression, like great combination right there. Yeah. (laughs) But then my meds for my depression put me on edge almost. So then it's more like I have even more anxiety. So then I'm twitching and moving and touching things even more than like I would on a normal basis. (laughs) Maybe that's what Wolf's problem is. (laughs) <laughs> he needs anxiety medication. So Wolf says it has everything to do with your grandma, but you can't trust anything that Rand tells you. So she says, fine, you tell me. I love this line. A sickeningly long pause. Right, yeah. It's too long of a pause. Wolf says that she'll despise him and starts to make himself small again, but he does start to talk. The pack was sent to retrieve grandma. Retrieve is a new word for kidnapping and abduction by force, but whatever. You know, (laughs) we're using synonyms and antonyms. (laughs) I guess it sounds more positive than kidnapping and abduction by force, but I don't like it. (laughs) Or kidnap so we can kill her. Yeah, and torture her information. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So Wolf says that as soon as they got to Ryu, he saw an opportunity and he escaped. It was before Grandma was taken. (laughs) I love this. He crossed his arms like he was protecting himself from her hatred. Yeah. Ooh. And then that self-loathing when he's like, I could have stopped them. I was the strongest one. And I could have kept it from happening. I could, I could have, have warned, warned you. Or, or you. But I didn't. Yeah. I just ran. So she starts to look up at the sky to try and keep herself from crying. And Wolf says that's when he started fighting and hanging out at the tavern. Scarlet says, is this why you were hanging out and offering to help on the farm? Because you felt guilty. And Wolf winced, which I love. He winced. Of course not. I knew that getting mixed up with you would be suicide. That eventually they would find me if I didn't leave Ryu. But I... But you... I couldn't just leave. I love that descriptor, though. Like, he seemed frustrated with the words that wouldn't come. Because he didn't want to leave her. Like, it's heavily implied that what he's trying to say is he didn't want to leave her. Right. So all I put for that was, what is this feeling that he's feeling? (laughs) (laughs) And so that, like, just made me think of the song from Wicked. What is this feeling? So sudden and (laughs) new. I laid eyes on you. (laughs) Loathing. (laughs) Unadulterated loathing. So she says, all right, well, why did they take my grandma? And this is a little bit of that A catch here again. The mission, they're trying to find Princess Celine, which we kind of already could have thought of because we have all the information from Nancy in the last book. Yeah. But we get actual confirmation here. That's the mission. That's what this gang is trying to do. They want to find Princess Celine. They've been searching for years and Granny might know something. So we probably love the same thing, but <laughs> I love where she's just like, they're trying to find who? 
But Lunar, Princess Celine. What? What? They've been searching for the princess for years, and they believe your grandmother has information on her whereabouts. Why would my gra- The Lunar Princess is dead. Dead. Oh, because she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like I can't I can't just say the words you need to calm down anymore. I have to be like, you need to calm down. <laughs> so Scarlet is completely annoyed because she's like, the Lunar Princess is dead. There's evidence that she survived the fire and that someone rescued her and brought her to Earth. And Scarlet, what? Are you sure your grandmother doesn't know anything? I basically wrote everything as just like S says this, W says this, S W S W S W S W. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that her naivety went away about like what her grandma, but like a callback to that episode where you guys were talking about that so heavily is that she totally dismisses whatever has happened in her grandma's past. And it's exhibited right here in the next sentence where she's like, she's a farmer. She lived in France her whole life. How would she know anything? Like, she doesn't even think about her military days. She's like, she's just a freaking farmer in the town of Ria. And nobody cares that she's missing. Like, well, it's like her dad said, she idolized her grandmother so yeah. much. And how much does she even really know about her? Because the town people have a different impression of her. Her dad has a different impression of her. Scarlet has the only in perspective of her where her grandmother's painted in this light. Yeah. And so then something I also wrote, this is where we start to see the naivety of Scarlet's view of her grandma start to fade away. We start to see in these next two pages, she's like, oh, my grandma was a real person. Like, not that my grandma wasn't a no, real person. No, but grandma is a real person. She has a history. She has a life yeah. that I didn't know about and that I wasn't involved in before I was born. Yeah, and like... And you don't always think of that with parents and grandparents. Right. It's like, oh, your life began when you had me. Absolutely. And that's something that, especially as a parent now, like, that is something that I've had to deal with. Coming to those realizations about, like, even your own parents oh, right, there's stuff that happened in your past that define you as a person, but also I wasn't there, so I can't judge you based on those decisions that you Absolutely. made. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> this whole next couple of pages for Scarlet must be absolutely devastating. So what we're going to do is we'll do the dialogue and then we'll do discussion. Can I be Wolf? Yes, you can be Wolf. Okay. I don't <laughs> know if I have a good Wolf voice. You'll tell I me if it's bad and then I'll stop doing it. <laughs> I can't do a French accent, so I think That's we're fine. <laughs> okay. So let's start with she's a farmer. Okay. I'll lead you in. Okay. Are you sure your grandma doesn't know anything? Her jaw hung for so long, her tongue turned dry and sticky in her mouth. She's a farmer. She lived in France her whole life. How would she know anything? She was in the military before she was a farmer. She traveled then. That was over 20 years ago. How long has the princess been missing? 10, 15 years? That doesn't even make sense. Can't discount it. Sure I can. What if she knows something? What if she does know something? She frowned, but her disbelief faded upon seeing Wolf's growing desperation. Scarlet? Brienne said that the assignment had been called off. He could only have meant the search for the princess. I can't imagine why after so many years... But if it's true, then it may mean they have no more use of your grandmother. A pang in her stomach. 
So they would just let her go? And I'm going to skip down. If I'd known, if I'd met you before, I want to help you, Scarlet. I want to try and make this better. But they want information that I don't have. The best thing for your grandmother is to be useful. Even if they had stopped looking for Celine, there may still be something she knows or something in her past. Anything that would make her valuable to them. That's why if there's anything you know, any information you have, it's the best chance you have of saving her. You can barter for her. Give them the information they want. I don't know what they want. Think. Has there ever been anything suspicious? Anything your grandma has said or done that struck you as peculiar? She does peculiar things all the time. This related to Lunars or the princess? No, she's, I mean, she's always been more sympathetic to them than most people. She's not quick to judge. What else? Nothing. Nothing else. She has nothing to do with the Lunars. There's evidence that that's not true. What evidence? What are you talking about? She must have told you that she's been to Luna. You're insane. Why would my mother or grandmother have ever gone to Luna? She was part of the only diplomatic mission to be sent from Earth to Luna in the last 50 years. She was the pilot that brought the Earth and officials. The visit lasted almost two weeks, so she must have had some interaction with Lunars. She never told you any of this? No, she never told me any of this. When was this? Wolf, when was this? Forty years ago. Nine months before your father was born. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Marissa Meyer really knows how to kill us. Whoo. Well, let's talk about that conversation. There's a lot of information that was revealed. <laughs> I literally wrote such a cliffhanger. <laughs> Like, really? This is the way we have to end the chapter? <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a couple of egg hatches, but first we'll start back where we were. So the last egg hatch, the mission is that they're trying to find Princess Celine. Another egg hatch is this is when, when she says that they're sympathetic. She's always been more sympathetic to them than most people. She's not quick to judge. I think that this is when... Wolf realized he could trust her and when he started to be suspicious of her. Because, like, she jumps on the bar to defend Cinder, some lunar on the television who's accused of attempting to assassinate the Eastern Commonwealth's emperor. And that was the first time Wolf was like, you were really sympathetic. What was that about? And then later he's like, that's the second time I've heard you defend her. I think this is when he started to think maybe she does know something. Because right. she's so sympathetic to Lunar. So he thinks, like, well, Grandma must have told her something. Otherwise, why would she be so sympathetic? Exactly. Why Why does she care? Scarlet is so shocked. She had absolutely no idea about the moon. But if you think <laughs> back to Chapter 5, when Dad was having his mental breakdown, he flat out said that he doesn't know what happened on the moon. So Dad knew that she was on the moon. But I think when he said that, it was because, obviously, like, one, he'd been tortured, he was having a psychotic break. But also, like, I think that's what he was told. He he didn't know that before. It's All possible that he didn't know that before. It's possible that, like, when they were interrogating him, they asked him questions about the moon, and because he didn't know, he put things together. And then the last egg hatch is that 
she was on the moon nine months before her dad was born. Grandma was on the moon nine months before Scarlett's dad was born. And that, again, go back to chapter five. I never knew my father. She doesn't talk about him or what happened on the moon. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of information in this chapter. And it kind of implies that whoever impregnated her did it while she was on the moon. So I guess it could have been someone from that mission, but maybe it was a lunar, which would make Scarlet part lunar, which would explain why grandma is so sympathetic to lunars. Right. So that's the end of chapter 22. We had four Easter eggs. I came up with two chapter titles. Okay. One is We Might As Well Be Strangers by Keen, because she doesn't know anything about grandma. Right. And then the second one is All Time Low by John Bellion, because I think Scarlet just hit rock bottom. <laughs> and if she didn't, then, like, what is she feeling? <laughs> yeah, like, if, if this isn't rock bottom, what is? That's kind of terrifying. But right. You came up with lots of songs for this one, so. I have three that. Okay. Uh, okay, so the first one can probably be guessed by the listeners because we basically sang half the song. Which is, what is this feeling from Wicked? <laughs> but more in like a, they don't know what they're feeling for each other, but like obviously like they're feeling something. Well, also you could apply it to she doesn't really know how she feels about her grandmother anymore. Right, exactly. And then the other one is, it's called Honey by Kate Kelly. And so the true meaning of the song is Me Too movement, where the guy in the song took advantage of her. Honey, you're so sweet but I'm not naive. You're not fooling me. But also like part of the song says you had me wrapped around your finger, but that's not where I want it to stay. You had me talking in circles, but left me empty at the end of each day. This is kind of like Scarlet with that betrayal of finding out that Wolf may not be doing this for the reason that she thought that he was doing this. Also, she's been wrapped around her grandma's finger for a whole life, and that's right. coming unraveled. Yeah. What I think I focus on when reflecting on this chapter is just the amount of information that Scarlet didn't know. That not only did she not know, but she was absolutely shocked to find out. Like, I don't know everything about my grandparents, but I know a good portion about, like, their childhood, how they met. Well, I mean, it was an arranged marriage, so, like, that's how they met. But still, like, I know some of those origin stories. But, like, she's... Right completely shocked so shocked that she doesn't even believe him when she finds out that her grandmother went to the moon she doesn't even know that she was on the only diplomatic mission in the last 50 years right which seems like something that would go in a history book yeah and that's a long time too because if we're talking about 50 years is a long time plus like we know from whatever we've read that Luna doesn't, they don't do that kind of stuff where they like come and visit or. Right. Like, which is why, which is why you would think something like this would be like a historical event. Right. So do you want to read your quote? It was really long. So take a deep breath. Yes. yes. By quote, so. I mean paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> paragraph? I don't know what you meant. So my quote is. She waited until she was sure she could speak before pivoting back towards him. That's when you started going to the fights and the tavern, he said with a nod. And then what? You felt guilty, so you thought you'd follow me around for a while, maybe help out on the farm. Like, that would make up for it? He winced. Of course not. 
I knew that getting mixed up with you would be suicide, that eventually you would find me if I didn't leave Rhea. But I, but you, he seemed frustrated with the words that wouldn't come. I just couldn't leave. It's so hard to understand what's going on between these two because <laughs> no one is like, we don't know his inner monologue and Scarlett is so obsessed with this grandma thing that I don't even think she knows how she feels about the situation. Yeah. So my quote was, he crossed his arms like he was protecting himself from her hatred. It's just such a humanizing moment for him, especially in these last yeah. couple of chapters where it's been so intense. I really feel for yeah. Wolf. And I, I think that's the mark of a good writer because he's supposed to be one of the bad guys. And my sympathy, like I have a lot of sympathy for him. Oh, Wolf. I just... right? Like one kind of final thought is Scarlet's feeling of just like, I don't know who this person is. But, like, I've known them my whole life. There's no way that this person is the same person that I've known. But also, who is this person? It's similar, but not in the same way. But I'm actually adopted. My dad met my mom when I was three months old. (laughs) I did not find this out until they got divorced when I was 15. So this was a pretty big shock, to say the very least. Yeah. Um... And I kind of went through this stage where I felt like I didn't know my dad. I felt like I didn't know my mom. I felt like I didn't know myself because I didn't really know where I came from anymore. I didn't know, you know, it explained a lot of things. I mean, I'm literally Lindsay, my sister, who was on episode 42, is 5'11". Samantha, my other sister, is 5'9". Ivy is 5'9". My mom is 5'9". My cousins and my aunts, they're all between, like, 5'7 and 5'10. I am 5'2". Yeah. <laughs> itty-bitty. I am itty-bitty. Uh, everyone in my family sunburns very easily. I've never been sunburnt before. I just tan. I have green eyes. Everybody has brown. Like, there are certain things that kind of click now, you know? But yeah. when I was a kid, I never thought about that stuff. So, like, finding out that, you know, and my dad is my dad. Whoever biologically contributed to my to the conception of me yeah that's (laughs) that's where his parenting stopped my dad is my dad whether they got divorced or not but there was definitely a time you know when I was when I was a teenager when I really had to go on this journey of like I don't know anything about my parents the really selfish thing and I think that every child can relate to this is it never occurred to me to ask a thing about my parents either well I mean so true. It kind of reminds me of, like, the one kid in, like, Cheaper by the Dozen that, like, has red hair and freckles. And yeah. like, none, of his, none of his brothers and sisters look like him. And it's like, okay, you're number, what, uh, eight or nine in 12 kids? Like, eventually, <laughs> genes yeah. are like... <laughs> it's really obvious now. Yeah. If you if you see a picture of like my my sisters and I with our dad, it's it's really obvious because it's you know like my sisters look exactly like my dad. I look exactly like my mom, so I always kind of wrote it off as you know I look like my mom. But even with looking like my mom, like she's curvier than I am, she's six inches taller than I am. We both have curly hair, but hers is very coarse curly hair. You know, it's yeah. that really. Italian Romanian curly hair. I just kind of have a just randomly curly hair, I guess. Um, yeah. 
it's just, I can kind of relate to like, you've known this person your whole life and suddenly you realize you don't know anything about them. Obviously, my dad never went on a secret mission to the moon and got kidnapped 50 years <laughs> later, but I honestly don't know. I never asked. So Aliens. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this week we had one tomato and seven Easter eggs. Next time, we're going to cover Chapter 23 with Morgan. Yay! Yay! And patrons, keep a lookout on... Well, actually, by the time this comes out, you will have already seen that there's a new Patreon reward. You're going to get a, a free bonus episode every month from now on. So that's really <laughs> exciting. For patrons only, and remember, you can join Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Where can people find you if they want to follow you on Instagram? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at babyruthless90, and I'm also on Facebook at Ruth Marie, but I hardly ever check Facebook anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming today. I hope you had fun. Of course. I can't wait to do this again. Yay! (laughs) So until next time, everybody, please rate, review, and subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and all the other places. And check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash princekaifampod. And until next time, don't get glamored. Don't get glamored. (laughs) Bye. Bye! (laughs) The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Ruth Redmond. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.